Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Farbad Nivi. He's the founder of CoinMine. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is also sponsored by Jaywalk. Jaywalk is a new app that pays you to walk. You can try it out at jaywalk.me. It's created by me, John Biggs, and a few of my friends. jaywalk.me, please check it out. Welcome back to Tech Adobe, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Farbad Nivi. He's the CEO and co-founder of CoinMine. Now, CoinMine, uh, Farbad, is a uh, is a little thing you plug into your wall and you can start mining Bitcoin and, and other and other coins. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It turns your electricity into cryptocurrency while helping decentralize the world's uh, information and money. It's so it's a it's sort of like a, a liberty machine that pays you. Uh, to help make uh, the world more free. Okay, so that's what you just described. Sounds a lot like uh, like something out of uh, Bioshock or something like that. So we got a Liberty Machine. <laughs> it's a it's the is the mission to mine crypto uh, through the through the use of the network, or is the mission to help the network grow? The the beauty of the you know game theory behind. Uh, crypto and blockchain, especially the, you know the, the way Satoshi uh, and, and others have sort of spoke about it, is that, that it is necessarily both of those things, and that they uh, feed off of each other in, in a virtuous cycle that helps them grow, uh, makes them anti-fragile. Uh, <clears throat> it's a it's it's a symbiotic relationship. And what is uh, what is so let's let's talk about this in a, in more general terms. So. I'm using this using this device, and I'm I'm familiar with it. But let's let's try to describe it as and and folks in the future are going to be using these things. The goal sure. here is that it it allows it allows for these networks to grow because this miner performs these calculations associated with the cut with the currency that you're talking about. And as the as the network grows, as you plug more of these things in, the the network becomes more powerful. Why why? As a consumer, do I want to be part of this network? Is is there going to be a situation when eventually I'm going to be part of the network? Because what you're essentially asking people is to be like, you can be like a Visa access point in the, yeah. in the world. Yeah, and you, know, you, you can actually generalize it e- even further. It's distributed computation, right? And it's getting paid for you contributing computation. So you have a, a coin mine, which is essentially a computer. Uh, you're plugging it into your electricity and into your internet. So what you're basically saying to these different crypto protocols, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Grin that just launched, you're basically saying, I'll provide my computing power and also necessarily the electricity to you know, run the computing power to this network. In return, I expect to you know, be compensated. And the way you get compensated 
is with that network's currency. Uh, and so in, in the end, what we're talking about is distributed computation, decentralized computation, which means we can manage the world's information of which a very important type of information is money, for example, uh, in a way that's distributed, decentralized, uh, not controlled by one central authority. Uh, so we can essentially take care of these things for ourselves. You know, that, that's really like, the, I think, the highest level way to think about it. Uh, Bitcoin, uh, blockchain, uh, <clears throat> these protocols are all examples of, of doing this type of decentralized computation. I'll give you a, a great example that you'll remember, like SETI, right? Uh, and this is, I think, back in the 90s, that whole SETI thing launched where you could, you know, install this program on your computer and use your computer in a big decentralized network to do the, these calculations for SETI. Uh, there was also one for protein folding. You could essentially donate your computing power uh, to process protein folding. Uh, this is a similar model, uh, except there is a currency layer baked into these you know, protocols uh, and, a, and a game theory and an economic incentive structure that essentially pays you for that computing power, where with SETI and protein folding, you were just donating. Mm -hmm. In in the future, does this does this system become more important? Uh, why why would why would we want to entrust uh, the world's computing power to this to these sorts of systems? Well, for one thing, it's a hedge against the current systems that we have that are highly centralized can be turned off and on by other people. Uh, you know, this was attempted, you know, uh, when the printing press started becoming prevalent and the technology uh, to do the printing press uh, started becoming, you know, uh, cheap enough and scalable enough that printing presses started going everywhere, this was considered like a very bad thing. They were made illegal. <clears throat> they were burned and destroyed. Uh, and you were, you were hung if you were found to have one, right? Um, to obviously, today, we think about that as like the most insane idea that people would try to prevent the printing press. But it's a huge threat. It decentralizes information. Uh, when before, it was completely centralized. And then sometimes in places, it was illegal to even learn to read and write if you weren't part of the royalty or the clergy, uh, much less have a printing press. Uh, and so the printing press came along. It, it was a genie that got out of the bottle. Got out of the bottle and, and no matter what these entities tried to do to stop it, it couldn't be stopped. Uh, and, the, and the world is better off for information being more decentralized and distributed because of that. Uh, this is the same thing. Just wanted to interrupt the podcast briefly to tell you about our latest sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by Eero. Uh, life's too short for bad Wi-Fi. I have a multi-level house and I always had issues getting Wi-Fi to the top level. So I started using Eero and it's really changed things around here. The cool thing about Eero is is that you have multiple routers and they all connect together in a mesh network. It's full home coverage. The Eero kit that I have has two devices, one that I keep in the attic and one I keep down near my router. What's even cooler is this thing can stop malware, spyware, phishing attacks, and block unsuitable content. I have a lot of kids in this house 
and I try to keep them off of the weird websites. Further, you can use Eero Plus to automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content so you can choose what your kids can and cannot visit right in the app. And it offers ad blocking. You can get rid of annoying ads and pop-ups on all your devices. Or well, this thing offers amazing third-party security apps built in, including VPN protection from Encrypt.me, password manager from 1Password, and antivirus software from Malwarebytes. And here you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. I want you to never think about Wi-Fi again. You can get $100 off your base unit in two beacons package in one year of Eero Plus, you visit Eero.com slash techno and at checkout enter techno. That's right, you get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons. Remember that's Eero.com slash techno and at checkout enter techno for $100 off. Thanks for listening. Who are the who are the incumbents who are fighting against this? I think we kind of understand that, but who are the incumbents that wouldn't want this? Because obviously, in the printing press, you had the clergy, you had uh, you had the kings, you had uh, you had folks who had to be in the know and wanted to keep their knowledge secret. Do you honestly think that the banks and the and the and Wall Streeters are are sitting on this and are and are I guess fear, uncertainty, and doubting this to uh, in order to keep their positions uh, secure? There's probably some amount of there's probably some superficial amount of that. I'm not convinced that uh, any of these things are ultimately really downsides for most of these entities. They're upsides for them. They may incorrectly perceive them as you know downside risk for them and try to mitigate that by stopping them. But you know, one way I always talk about it is governments have you know enough to do. Uh, being responsible for all the monetary policy and economics of, you know, an area is just, that's just too much stuff. I think governments will be happier and better off if they're not responsible for doing all that stuff. So ultimately, I think it's a boon to them. Ultimately, I think it's a boon to banks who are dealing with money laundering and fraud and, uh, you know, people want to trash, you know, Bitcoin for being used for doing illegal things. Uh, you know, the, the dollar is probably used to the tune of trillions of dollars to do uh, Ill illegal, fraudulent activities and laundering. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I think a lot of the incumbents in, in the end, and, and that's why uh, I call, uh, you know, Bitcoin isn't a, it's not a populist revolution. Uh, it's not a violent revolution. Uh, it, it's a practical revolution. And, and, and that concept comes from a lawyer uh, in open source. I can't remember his name, uh, but he, I really love this. He, he called open source a practical revolution. Uh, in, the, in the end, it wins and beats the incumbents because the incumbents adopt it because it's just practically better. So you could be like, oh, isn't open source a threat to Oracle and Microsoft and Apple? Uh, and it's like, no, it actually turned out in the end, open source was a boon to them because they basically all adopt it. And, you know, some of their underlying kernels are built off of these uh, open source, uh, you know, Unix and Linux uh, uh, kernels. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that's, so I think, I think that's, the, same that's, that's thing. the point. That's sort of the, this sort of weaponizes the weaponizes the nerd. This gives the nerd some sort of a, a, a new power that they never had before, which is actually monetary and financial. If in, in the end, does everybody own one of these devices? Does everybody own a miner or or does a certain few own the miners? I don't think, you know, uh, six billion people need to own them. 
if if a hundred million people, two hundred million people, uh, you know, five hundred million people own them, that would be more than sufficient to a cover it cover it for everybody else uh, and cover so much information, you know, computation and storage and management that you know it, it doesn't get rid of things like. Uh, AWS, for example, uh, it's an alternative, uh, and it actually helps push governments and uh, corporations to behave better and improve their own policies because that now they have a competitor uh, that you know can offer more sovereign control, for example, uh, to somebody who wants to host a website. Uh, now you can now you have a website that nobody can take down. So now if you're Amazon and you're the government, if you're not willing to sort of change your services to match that, you're going to lose some business. Hmm. What does uh, what does the world look like when you guys are done? What is the what what in, in what way am I interacting with this technology? Because I don't think anybody's really explored that. What does what does my day look like? I'm swiping credit cards right now. I'm I'm moving through through open spaces, public spaces. Uh, does anything change for me? Yeah, so you know, our device, for example, uh, it's it's a physical device, you know, about the size of an Xbox. Uh, it runs on our operating system, MinOS, which is really the sort of the the heart of what we we've, we've built and the brains of what we've built. Uh, but then it's all controlled through our mobile apps, right? So through your iPhone, for example. So now uh, you have this device at home. Uh, it's turning your electricity into Bitcoin, uh, and then it's automatically funding uh, your a, a Bitcoin Lightning channel for you. Um, so now you can use this channel to send and receive Bitcoin with anybody else in the world for basically zero fees uh, and instantly, and potentially also privately uh, very soon. So. This is where I think this is one of the most you know exciting, and I think Bitcoin Lightning is going to start you know continue to blow up this year, uh, and and really changes the game, uh, not just for crypto, but this is where it starts changing the game for society. Uh, and this is the example I usually gave. If you're if you're running some you know cool uh, coffee shop where your coffees are you know five dollars, let's say that's a normal maybe low price for coffee these days. Uh, you're actually going to pay about 10% of your revenue in credit card transaction fees. You're going to pay 35 cents per transaction plus another 3%. Gets you to roughly 50 cents on that $5 purchase. Now, that's a really weird thing to have to pay 10% of your revenue. All you're doing is selling $5 cups of coffee one at a time. So you're basically handing off 10% of your revenue uh, just to process this, you know, electronically. It, 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 it's, it seems like that's a not the promise of the digital world. And shouldn't it be shouldn't it be cheaper this way? Than, uh, aren't most things cheaper when they when they become digital? Uh, and the answer is yes. And the answer is the lightning network and that cup of coffee, uh, the transaction fee that that coffee store owner is going to pay. Is probably less than one penny, right? So now it's like a fraction of a fraction of a percent 
instead of 10%. Uh, and, and that's what this looks like in, I think, not, not too long. Will there ever be a hypergranular dollar? Uh, yeah, it's called the Satoshi. Yeah, <laughs> let's say, but uh, but let's say let's say let's uh, a hypergranular fiat currency. Um, I I think possibly yeah, you know I, I this is again the practical revolution part. Um, you can start seeing you know sovereign governments adopting this model, just like Microsoft adopted uh, you know an open source kernel into Windows. Uh, you can see a, a government adopting an open source, you know, uh, cryptocurrency into their monetary policy. That's, that doesn't seem crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, at what point does the snake eat its tail? At what point does the does the the, the sovereign government uh, take this up and basically legitimize it to the to the fullest extent? But I guess we're gonna have to see. That's gonna take a little while. Yeah, it, it also comes down to a lot. I mean. Currency is just trust, right? That, that, that that's all it is. It's like the uh, it, it's the uh, embodied modification of of trust that for some future exchange of goods or services. Uh, so in the end, or whoever generates the most trust, uh, I, I think you know wins. The technology is sort of like a, a multiplier on the effectiveness of that system or, or model but the, the the trust is by far the biggest underlying thing which is why some cryptocurrencies you know some of the i think issues that you know bcash for example <clears throat> uh, bitcoin cash experience was that you know people couldn't trust it it's it's forking every year uh what's going on uh <clears throat> part of bitcoin's like never change model or, or change very slowly uh i i think is to continue to grow its trust. Um, How can people find out about uh, CoinMine? Where, where should they go? Just good old CoinMine.com. Thankfully, coinmine. we got that. And everybody nice should buy one of these. Everybody should buy one of these units and uh, and start start decentralizing the world. Yeah, I mean, why why buy just one? Buy several. <laughs> well, you got to get them out. Put of the one door, in right? each. Put one in each room. They're quiet. They sip on electricity about the same as a PlayStation. Uh, you know, you can start mining Grin, which is about one of the only ways you can get Grin right now. Uh, why don't, why, don't you put a, why don't you put some speakers in there and just uh, and just create like a, a, a crypto mining Sonos system? There actually is a little speaker in there, but it's not full full on Sonos. But you know, <laughs> may, may, maybe we'll add that add that to the roadmap. All right, two two point oh, three point oh. Just make sure, make let, let me be able to talk to it, and I want it to, I want it to be able to, uh, to make uh, press juices as well. Bigs edition, we'll call it. Bigs edition. All right, very cool. All right, uh, Farwa, thank you for joining us. This is, uh, this has been great. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, coinmine.com. I'm John Biggs. This has been Technotopia. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com 